My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. And welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for being here physically. Appreciate that. Good morning to everybody online. I'll try not to ignore the comments today. Uh, we are in Mark, what are we in today? Anybody know? Mark, it's on the screen. It's like literally right behind me. So, Mark 13, yes, started last week. Actually started week before last. Left you completely unfulfilled. Last week, completely unfulfilled. This week, we're probably going to keep the streak going. So, we'll just start with that. Uh, actually, let's go ahead with our question that we ask each week. Uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Leaving you full of questions. Leaving you full of questions. And um, has God given us any example in scripture where he leaves somebody full of questions? <laughs> like, pick a book, any book, right? Because he just, he doesn't always fully explain himself. And I'm grateful. I've mentioned this several times. I'm glad we don't have every word and every action Jesus ever did. We'd have to have an 18-wheeler to carry around our copy of the Bible, right? It would just be, it's too much. Um, yes, good, good. All right, what else? Yes, sir, Dave? If Jesus is okay without leaving some things unanswered, oh, what? 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 Able to leave something unanswered and say it's God's decision to do it the way he will? So there was something Jesus doesn't know. Uh, no. Well, there, yeah, there was because and God's Father is. Right. <laughs> which, which was by the yes. Yes. There, there will not be a list from this uh, podium uh, about when Jesus is coming back, <laughs> as far as a year, right? There is a list, I think, provided in Mark 13. It will get to that shortly. Uh, but yes, good, good, good. Yeah, so if, if we have questions that are unanswered and Jesus has something that he doesn't know, we need to be very comfortable with the idea that we don't know everything. And I, I, will say, I will say that I appreciate your guys' approach in that you don't expect me to know it because some of y'all know me pretty well. And you know that's not possible. So, yes, Dave? Uh, and to his point, too, it's like in Jesus' time, they wanted to know the answer, and Jesus didn't give it to them, but they still wanted to know the answer. And we have that going on today. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. All sorts of fun stuff. All sorts of fun stuff. Yes, ma'am. Whoops, sorry. I love having people in the room. That's called living by faith. Living by faith? Is that mentioned somewhere in the book? Yes. Yes, it is. A few times. A few times. All right, so if you've been in our class before, you know kind of how the flow of things works. So we ask this question. We read the entire chapter that we are in, and then we start with wherever we left off last week and pick up and go from there. Uh, so if you have your handout, 
I have an extra up here because I usually hold it up as an example. And Katie, did you want one? Josh gave you his. Josh is good. Did anybody else need one? Now, this is a handout, Lord willing, for, well, not Lord willing, last week, this week, and I'm pretty sure next week, too, which is why it's like 10 pages long. So there's that. So if anybody needs one, it'll be right here. There you go. Cool. So let's read Mark chapter 13. And uh, I mention this every once in a while, but feel free just to listen. We're actually commanded way more often in the Bible to hear God's word than to read God's word, uh, which implies that we're supposed to be around each other. I think there's some assumptions in there. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. 
As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see that these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Amen. So again, we are in Mark chapter 13. Last week we looked at verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, We left off talking about signs. So this is page 425 on your handout, about four pages in. Uh, But Jesus sets up this chapter with this really provocative statement. And he says... uh, you know, the, the disciples come out, one of them says, look, stones and buildings, right? They're just enamored with the stuff that they can see. And Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Which, again, we talked about last week. They were on the Mount of Olives. They were directly opposite the temple. They could see the temple. This is the setting. Like, what in the world is he talking about here? This obviously piques a little bit of interest. So they ask a question. He sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked, this is an imperfect tense, repeatedly asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And again, they don't come at him with a position of uh, lack of faith. This is a future indicative that they are saying. So when is this thing that you have just said that's going to happen going to happen? There's There's a confidence and a belief that they have in their question and in his word. So when will these things be, and what will be the sign, they're looking for one, it's singular, what will be the sign when all these things, specific, it's demonstrative pronouns, a very specific thing, when all these things are about to be accomplished. Now we didn't look up Mark 10.32 last week, because this is the last time this word for uh, are about to be when it happens, but if you go back to Mark 10.32 real quick, It says, and when they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. So this word is a, Jesus is he's always looking toward the future whenever he uses this specific word. So he's, they're asking him, when will all these things be? When will they be accomplished? And that accomplished is actually a passive, which means something is going to happen that's going to force them to be accomplished, which is, again, really, really good theology from the disciples here. Like, this is, in my mind, if I had to, like, exhibit A, your honor, that they had some decent theology at some point in their walk with Jesus, it's really these four verses right here. It's, it's really quite good, um, which is encouraging, because what do we get documented for us so often? We get their mistakes and their failures and what they didn't understand and their questions and and we just rail on them forgetting that Lord willing we're going to get to meet them one day. This was one of the best pieces of teaching advice I ever got. So if you're if you're 
teaching the Bible or talking about the Bible to somebody, I had a, an older uh, saint come up to me after a, a sermon one time, and she said, Jim, you talked about these people like you're not going to talk to them one day. I think I did, yes. <laughs> I should probably stop doing that, <laughs> right? Uh, the, the volume of grace that God afforded them, he affords us, which is, you know, these are our brothers, so let's be good. All right, verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, see. Now, when we read through Mark chapter 13, what were the commands that you heard Jesus tell the disciples as a result of this particular question? Open book, you can look. What were some of the commands? Be on guard, right? What else? Watch out. What else? I heard it. Stay awake. Yes. Right? Really, like, yes. Maybe I should even mention it twice, right? Like, stay awake. This is important. Are any of those answers to the question that they asked? When will these things happen? No. So those of you that are parents, have you ever had your children ask you a question and you realized, yeah, I can tell you the answer, but that's actually not what you really need to know. You really need to know how to get through this thing, not the actual event itself. And what Jesus is focused on is how they are going to get through this. And a little later on, he's going to focus on who is walking with them through this, which is this amazing, incredible gift. So he says to them, see, and in our English translation, it just says see, but in Greek, it's a little more complicated. It's a present active imperative. So this is a standing order. This is a thing that you're going to keep continuing to focus and to obey until somebody rescinds that order. So I, I talked about this concept Wednesday night at the Chattanooga campus. We're going through the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And you guys have no idea how hard it was to never say the name Mark for two teachings in a row. <laughs> like it, was, it was one of the most difficult things I have ever done in my entire life is to not say Mark. But we got through it. It was good. But this, this concept of a present active imperative. So how many of you guys, how many of you guys uh, know what a standing order is in the military? What a standing order is? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to who I think has the most military experience in the room. So, Chief? What if you don't like it? <laughs> it does not change, and you will obey it. Yes. You get a conversation with somebody like you, right? Who could go introduce yourself and help them somebody understand that they will obey it. Yes, good. So there's a couple of these. Uh, I say this tongue in cheek uh, that Jesus gives to the disciples, and I would argue that quite a few of them apply to us as well. Uh, so see that no one leads you astray. Now, this word astray in the ESV is translated a couple different ways. If you go back to Mark chapter 12, just one page over maybe. I'm still in 10. 1224. So when Jesus is talking to the Sadducees about the resurrection, who, who didn't believe in the resurrection, right? This is the, we're going to ask you a question that we don't even believe in just to try to trick you up, and it's good luck with that. So Jesus says to them, to the Sadducees, is this not the reason you are wrong? <laughs> well, tell me what you think. 
This word for wrong is the same word for lead astray over here in 13. And then when he finishes this, te- this uh, I don't know what I would call this, mini-sermon? This rebuke, I would say rebuke is probably a good word. At the end of verse 27, you are quite wrong. Well, he's telling them, you are on the wrong path. You are not walking intellectually or practically in consistent uh, manner with the scripture. So you are, you are wrong. So this word here back in uh, Mark 13, 5, see, keep seeing, don't stop seeing, keep seeing that no one leads you astray, that nobody gets you off of the straight path. And then he's going to give some examples of how people are going to try to do this. So verse 6, a few will come in my name. Is that not right? I I rarely do this in here because I don't particularly like doing this. I just want us to understand there's a lot here. They're going to come in Jesus' name. And the will come is a future indicative, so it's going to happen. Will come in my name. Saying, present active participle, this is their habit, this is their standard, this is their norm. And the next two words are super scary. If you have ever studied the Gospel of John, you know that there are seven times in the Gospel of John where Jesus says the phrase, ego I may. All right, so Brandon, I am, yes, means I am. Now in our English translations, it says I am he. And they have actually added the he to try to help the reader understand who we're referring back to. But in Greek, it's literally, I am. And this is one of the ways that Jesus would kind of crack open the shirt and like, this is who I am. I'm going to show you here in a minute. And he would reveal more and more and more until finally on the cross. And then at the resurrection, it's, oh, you really are. (laughs) This is a big deal. So many will come in Jesus' name saying, I am. Now, just think with me for a second here how ridiculously stupid this is. Coming in Jesus' name, saying, I am. He's already come. How ridiculous is it to come in his name saying, I am? What would this have to be? What what non-Christian theological term would have to be used right here to be... Jesus again. Reincarnation. That's exactly right. Do we have anybody on the planet right now who is claiming to be Jesus Christ? Yes, we do. <laughs> we have quite a few, actually. Uh, there's a guy in Russia right now that has a relatively decent following uh, who claims to be doing miracles and claims that he is the reincarnated Jesus Christ. So, This is not one of those things where you go, well, I'm sure there'll be somebody. No, 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 no. What's the first word in verse 6? Many. Many, 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 many. Many will come in my name saying over and over and over and over and over again. And so those of you that want to learn a little bit about Greek, look at the bottom of verse 25. Uh, You see the saying, four rows up, present active participle. I have highlighted the word uh, hati. Uh, in Greek, this many times starts a quotation in the Gospel of Mark. So, yes, it's true that in the original, there were no punctuation marks 
In the original, there were no lowercase letters. In the original, there were no spaces. All capital letters crammed together. You just had to be able to figure it out. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I honestly cannot fathom. Like, I have a computer program that takes all the scholarly work that everybody has done and parses it out so that it's just like, oh, this is obvious. And Brandon's staring at capital letters going, where's the new word start? <laughs> it's really, really challenging. Yes, sir? That sounds like reading Python. Uh, yes, if Python didn't have any spaces. Yes. <clears throat> it's very, very challenging. But there are a couple of these little hat tips in Greek that say, hey, we're kind of going to start a quote here, which is really helpful for English translators because what mark of punctuation comes after the saying? One of you smart Alex is going to say a comma. <clears throat> yes. And then there's a quotation mark, right, saying, I am he. Now, don't miss something here real quick. So they're saying, I am. Was that the thing for the Messiah to say that would denote the, this is the Messiah? Yeah. So do false prophets know the right words to say? Absolutely. They're, they're quite familiar with the scripture. Quite familiar with the scripture. Yes. He's been around a hot minute, right? Yes. He absolutely has. Saying, I am, and they will lead many astray. Another future indicative for the lead astray. So many will come, and they'll lead many astray. So what do we learn about their followings here? They're large. Yeah. They're large. So are large numbers an indication of good Christian theology? Exhibit A is who? <laughs> Jesus, I would say, <laughs> right? He had 12 and then 11. <laughs> you're like, you're trending down toward the end here. Like, that's not, how, that's not how you're supposed to end. You're supposed to trend up, right? So verse 7, And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, it's an interesting, uh, this word for war is just war, right? It's super simple. Uh, it's plural. But the word for rumors, uh, akoe, is, uh, if you look at it, you, you can almost, if you, if you squint and look sideways, you can almost hear the word acoustic out of it. This is kind of similar roots here. Uh, and this is the word for hearing. So the trick is, this word is translated very oddly in Mark's gospel. So let's go back to Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Mark chapter 1. And I have no idea what language you're speaking this morning, Barry. So you got me on that one. See, when I was at home teaching, I could copy and paste it into Google Translate, and then I would know how to respond. I have, I have no tools now. Sorry. He's speaking in tongues on the, on the uh, Facebook Live here. So Mark 1, 28. We're looking for the word hearing. Okay? We're looking for the word hearing in Mark 1, 28. What is the word? What is the word? What is the word? What's the word? Spread? Spread? <laughs> Say it again. 
Fame, yes, it's the word fame. The hearing had spread. People had heard this had spread. And when lots of people have heard something, you become famous, right? This is the challenge that translators have. It's not an easy job at all. Let's look at the next one, uh, Mark 7.35. Mark 7.35. Jesus heals the deaf man, right? Say again? Who? <laughs> What's the word? Yes, opened. That's exactly right. Opened. So fame, opened, rumors. Same word. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. That seems like words are flexible. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons you should throw something at me every time I say this word literally means Sometimes, <laughs> right? Words have broad range, even sometimes the way you can say something. So, Ben, I love my job. <laughs> I love my job. And we don't get to get any of that in the original, right? So there, there's, there's ways you can flex these things. Now, there wasn't as much sarcasm in first century literature as there is today, which is quite helpful. Because I can't imagine what people 100, 200, 300 years from now are going to look at our writings and like, these people were just angry all the time. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I think so. Pretty much. So verse 7, and when you hear, now this is not a future indicative. This is a subjunctive, right? So when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, hearing of wars, when you hear about wars, freak out. Lose your ever-loving minds. Is that what it says? Not quite. Don't be alarmed. Now, the be alarmed here is a passive imperative. And I remember the first time I saw a passive imperative, I was like, how is something, how am I supposed to obey something that's acting on what? So, we have a scholar amongst us. You want to take a stab at the passive imperative? A state of being, it's like, yes. It's almost like saying, don't alarm yourself. That's exactly right. So you're telling me that we have the ability to modify how we respond to information that we are engaging with. Yes. I'll give you a tip. This is called maturity. <laughs> right? I mean, this, this is literally what we are, one of the fundamental things that we try to teach young people before they go out in the world is how not to lose it, right? I mean, just fundamentally, how not to lose it? Because what do you really want when your kids go to church? What do you really want when you take your kids out to eat? What do you really want when your kids go to, with you shopping? For them just not to lose it, right? Because every parent gets to that point somewhere where you're just like, you know what? I would just like for you not to lose everything. It'd be great. And, and I would say right here, through the morphology of this word, Jesus is saying, 
something very subtle that we get to decide how we respond to things. And this is one of those where I say these words out loud and then I want to go sit in the corner and cry <laughs> because <laughs> how unsuccessful have I been at this in my entire life, right? Good, gracious alive. So when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, right? Do not alarm yourself. This must take place. The Greek literally says it is to be. This has to happen. This is part of it. Like if you want to go, Josh, from here to California, what do you have to do? You have to leave. That's, thank you. I'm glad you did not say you have to go west. Actually, you can go east for a really long time, <laughs> right? But you have to leave this place. There's some things that have to occur if you want to go somewhere else. If we want to get to this future place that Jesus is talking about, certain things have to happen. This has to happen. But the end is not yet. And I, I will tell you something that I have, I saw a couple of days ago after having, I don't read Mark Hamlin many times, and looked at these words. The word for end is singular. We are not in the matrix, guys. This is not Neo's seventh iteration of running through this whole program and we gotta do this again until somebody get, no, 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 no. It's gonna end once. And I, I had never stopped to thank God that it's only gonna end once. Because he could have set this up where we ended and ended and ended and ended and, and he didn't do that. It's only going to end once. This is the same emotion that I had when we were walking through uh, Grudem's systematic theology and we got to the, the chapter on death. And Grudem said, death is a gift to the believer. And I read that and I was like, time out, big boy. I don't know about this now. You, you're going you're to have to roll that one back and walk me through this. And he said, think about what a curse it would be to live forever in a fallen, broken body. Okay, I see your point. <laughs> and that's where we all get, right? We all get to the place where we're fallen and broken. And hopefully we understand it. So don't be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Four. This is a word that means we're going we're gonna to explain. There's a reason for what just was said. Four. Nation, Josh, what's the word? What's the Greek word? Yes, if you had to guess. <laughs> Nation, that was awesome. Uh, no, ethnos. Oh, now you remember, yes. You taught half of a Sunday school lesson on this, yes. So I'm going to do to you what you guys do to me nonstop. It's like, do you remember that Sunday school lesson you taught seven years ago where you said this one phrase? And I'm like, I don't remember Tuesday. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know what in the world. Like, yeah, it's ethnos, right? Ethnic groups. So ethnic groups, 
This is translated in 1033 and 1042 as Gentiles. And 11, 17, and 13, 8, and 13, 10 as nations. It, and really what I, what I think is happening, when Jesus use it, uses it derogatorily, is that, is that a word? We're going to roll with it? If you say it, when Jesus uses it derogatorily, um, he uses, the ESV translates it as Gentiles. And when he's just talking about nations and ethnic groups, he just says nations, which is like a real slap in the face to Gentiles. <laughs> so just don't miss that, what the ESV is doing right here, because it's really kind of funny. So ethnic groups are going to rise or waken up, arouse from obscurity against nations, right? So there's all sorts of stuff going on here with different cases. I'm not going to get into that this morning. And kingdoms are going to rise against kingdoms. So do you see how they've asked a question, he's given them some direction, a standing order, he starts to go into an example, he's digging deeper into the example. Verse 8 is deeper into the example, right? So this is almost a Pauline structure where we're just going to go deep, 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 and then we're going to take a breath here in just a second. So kingdom against kingdom, there will be, future indicative, statement of fact, earthquakes. You see the Greek word? Anyone take a stab at pronouncing that Greek word? Seismos, yes. Very good. Now, the word can actually mean several things because words are flexible. It can mean a commotion. It can mean a gale, which is not a word we use very often anymore. Give me a good English word, a good modern English word for the word gale. Storm or like strong wind, right? Yeah. Or it can mean an earthquake. So which one, if you're the translator, do you pick? Most of the translators go back to what a previous translation has done here. Otherwise, you're just going to totally wreck your readers' minds, and you've just, like, well, you got cute for no reason, right? It's like, we've got to be careful about being cute. So there will be earthquakes in, and I have another one of these little bitty X's over the word various in my translation, because the word various actually doesn't have a Greek word associated with it. There's going to be earthquakes in places, is what Jesus says here. <laughs> Which isn't nearly as profound as various places. Because <laughs> earthquakes have to have a place. Otherwise, what was going on there, right? It's kind of strange. In various spots, in various locations. There will be, future indicative, famines. Has anybody ever been to a place where there was a famine? I have never been to a place where there was a famine. I've never physically seen that with my own eyes. Has anybody ever seen one? Been to a place with a famine? This is the one that, that I, when I'm studying and researching and reading and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any interesting anecdotes on this. It's just there will be famines. And these are but the beginning and in what is the most brilliant stroke of literary genius ever, the word beginning actually shows up in Mark 1.1, as it should. So we'll go there, and then we'll stop for today, because Mark tells us in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I wish he would tell us what it's going to be about.
right? This fuzzy intro, we're not, I'm wondering, I don't know what this book's going to be about. It's going to be about Jesus. It's exactly right. We see the beginning in Mark 10.6 again. Mark 10.6, he says, uh, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And Mark 13.19, Mark 13.19, Jesus says, for in those days there will be such tribulation as not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. Which isn't an overly comforting thought. Because the way Mark uses this word several different times in Mark's own gospel implies there's a big massive gap of time from when the beginning and when the thing actually happens. And that's where I want to leave you this morning. I want to leave you wondering about that big gap of time. And how do we reconcile that with what Jesus says later in this chapter? So we will pick up, I better make a note, I didn't make a note. I thought I made a note, and then I threw my notes away. This is what happens when I do the shredding that's in my office, right? I shredded all my notes, and I was like, no, no. All right. I had to go back and listen to the last five minutes of the podcast to figure out where I ended up last week, so it was great. All right, good deal. So we'll pick up, Lord willing, next week in verse 9. Uh, so on page 427, I'll have more handouts maybe. Oh, wait, wait. There's some over there now. All right, I am thoroughly confused at this point. Ah, of course you did. I was like, it's like, this isn't complicated, Jim. <laughs> you can look and see them or not see them. And I have a bird's eye view on it. Okay, good. So let's take a minute and uh, go into our prayer time. So if you have any prayer requests, please jot those down. Uh, find a section of that prayer request and pray over that as a table. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, my attendance taker is not here this morning. So if you've got all, each one, every person matters. Every person, right, Ike? Yes, every person. Make sure your name's on there. Make sure your name is at the bottom. So that's how we're going to do attendance this morning. Uh, pray as a group. When you finish praying as a group, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one who holds the future indicative with a closed fist. He knows it. And he has shared some of it with us. And that is beautiful. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.